Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, thank you, Josh and worship team. Hey, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 14 this morning. If you're joining us at Ross Full or online, welcome. We're glad to have you uh, that way, whether you're at home or at our Ross Full campus or maybe even traveling day. I know a lot of folks traveling. Thank you for that as well. Matthew 14. So I started a sermon series a few weeks ago entitled Be Harmony, Stop the Fight Before It Starts. And we're really looking at what the Bible would say about how to deal with those things that we know cause problems in our home. And so how do we deal with those uh, before we get there? We've looked at, you know, handling money God's way, how to deal with our time and how to communicate. All those are issues um, uh, that lead to problems in the home. And so how do we approach those? If you miss any of those, be sure and go back and grab the app, go back and listen to their sermon. So today I'm finishing out this series and I want to preach on this, peace and quiet out of Matthew chapter 14, peace and quiet. The reason I want to preach on this is there is a lot of anxiety in our homes. There's a lot of stress in our homes. As a matter of fact, it's baked into our homes because it's baked into us. We find, thing, we find out things like this, that anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults and uh, 18 and older and 18.1% of the population every year. People with an anxiety disorder are three to five times more likely to go to the doctor, six times more likely to be hospitalized for psychiatric disorders than those who do not suffer from anxiety disorders. And get this, anxiety disorders affect 25% of children between 13 and 18 years old. So we're not just talking about an adult thing here, 25% of children. And over the last decade, anxiety has overtaken depression. Is the most common reason college students seek counseling services. So here's what we're seeing is that we have a lot, a lot of anxiety in ourselves, uh, even with our teenagers, our children, our college students, and our adults. And because we have a lot of anxiety in ourselves, you can feel it in your home, right? You have this anxiety going on in your home. You have stress brought about by Money and time issues, communication issues we've talked about. Then you may have anxiety over things like health in your life, decisions in your life. You have uneasiness when bad and difficult things happen to us, and all of that creates anxiety. Yes, we have anxiety in our day-to-day life, but really, what I want to talk about today is where we get anxiety when it's, it's not the day-to-day anxiety that buries our families takes away our happiness and our harmony in our homes. It is when storms and trouble and stressful situations of some sort in our lives. Stress and anxiety activates your sympathetic nervous system and it sends your body into fight or flight mode. You've heard that term before. So when you've got anxiety and how amounts of stress in your, in your, in yourself, Your nervous system activates and it sends you into fight or flight mode. And that's exactly what's happening with our homes. 
Because of all the anxiety in our homes, you personally and your uh, family are going into fight or flight mode. And so here's what happens. All of that anxiety in your life, all of that stress in your home, it's, it's making you either want to fight or flight, even in your own family. And so when these major storms come our way, when these major difficulties come our way, your body kicks into fight or flight mode that causes your family to kick into fight or flight mode. And because of these major turbulence that's going on in our lives, what happens is you either start fighting more as a family or the family starts falling apart. Imagine this for a moment. Imagine that when something difficult happened to your home. Imagine when something uh, that the world would call stressful happened to your home. Imagine if during that, instead of you kicking into fight mode or you kicking into flight mode, imagine that you could actually deal with it well and your family could maintain peace and quiet. Peace and quiet. I'm not talking about nobody talking. I'm talking about peace and a quietness of soul that would dominate your heart, that would dominate your family's heart when all of this turbulence comes your way, when all of these storms and this trouble comes your way. Imagine if your family became the bedrock during all that instead of your family being the thing that added to your stress see I, I know how to deal with it when it's in your life right like I know how to deal with stress when it's you all of us do all of us know how to deal with stress when it's somebody else's stress but how do we deal with the heartache and the confusion and the complexity when it's our own family like, like this how do we deal in our own life when it's heartache and loss when we lost people in our lives loved ones maybe passed away jobs when our health is gone when our wealth is gone how do we deal with confusion in our lives when we're blinded by a situation and don't, don't know what to do? How do we deal with complexity in our lives, meaning a problem that seems insurmountable, a problem that you have no solution to, and a problem that you feel like God or no one else has a solution to? See, studies show us that we don't deal with those situations well in our families. Studies show us that when trouble comes our way, when turbulence comes our way, when a, when a storm of life comes our way, we don't deal with it well. As a matter of fact, here's, here's what we learned. That a study from Iowa State University found that divorce rates were 6% higher among relationships in which wives had an illness such as cancer. So I've got a health situation coming my way, the divorce rate goes up. Look, look at this. In 2011, Ohio State found that men who are unemployed are more likely to leave their wives and are also more likely to be left by their wives. Husband, if you don't have a job, get one quickly, man. That's all I'm saying. Like, right, what happened? This stressful situation comes along where, where maybe you lose a job. And what happens is the husband doesn't deal with it well and may leave. And the wife doesn't deal with it well and may leave. Why? This turbulence came into our life and the divorce rate goes up. 2013, Rand Corporation, of mil a study of military families found that the risk of divorce among enlisted service members was directly related to the length of time they spent deployed. Right? So the farther, longer we're apart, more likely we are to get divorced. 
Then finally, one study published in the journal Family Psychology, 67% of couples experienced a drop in marital satisfaction within the first three years of a baby's birth. Two-thirds, the, their, their satisfaction with marriage went down. Why? Because you have this, you know, when a baby comes in, all this turbulence comes in with it. And so we, we have all these situations in our life, these bad situations, and the fact is we don't cope with them well. The fact is our anxiety and stress level goes up and all the peace and quiet and harmony and happiness of our home tends to dissipate when this storm comes into our lives. So how do we deal with that? How do we deal with it? How do we have this turbulence come into our lives and still maintain the harmony in our home? Well, what I want to do is look at one of these famous stories in the Bible and I want to walk us through just just three quick things this morning. Walk us through uh, some pointers on how we can deal with this turbulence and these storms that come into our lives. So would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it? And if you don't have your Bible, it's on the screen. Or if you're watching online or at home, it's on the screen. Matthew chapter 14, look at verse beginning in verse number 22. Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, the Bible says, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. Climbing up out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those in the boat worshiped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. Thank you. You may be seated. Let me just this morning walk you through this passage. I love this story. And let's talk about this story for just a moment. Then let's apply to our lives. It starts off in verse 22 and 23 that Jesus, here's where we are in the story. Jesus had just fed 5,000 men, maybe 15,000, 20,000 people. And there are 12 basketfuls left over. And he's immensely popular. Right now, Jesus is at the height of his popularity. Crowds are with him everywhere he goes. His disciples number in the hundreds right now. And he's getting no personal time away. And so the Bible tells us this, that he made them go away, that he made the disciples, the Bible said, get into the boat. In the original language there, it means uh, uh, force by authoritative command. Like Jesus literally made them get into a boat, row to the other side of the sea, which was going to be about five uh, miles. And so they got in the boat, started going to the other side. Jesus sent the thousands of people away because he wanted to do one thing. He wanted to get in solitude and in prayer and spend time with the Father. And it's a good word for us, by the way, that when our life gets busy, sometimes what we need is solitude and prayer and time with the Father. So he sent them away. 
And he went up on a mountain to pray. And at very late in the night, he was finally, finally done. Well, then we transport down to the uh, disciples who are on the sea. Meanwhile, it says, the disciples got in a fishing boat and started rowing. And they were in the middle of the sea. And a violent storm popped up in the middle of the sea. The sea was known for that. It was one of a sudden storms, the way it was between the mountain ranges, that a violent storm would pop up. And so they, they were in the middle of this violent storm, and they were making no progress at all. As a matter of fact, most, most uh, translations say this, that they were tossed by the waves. The, the CSB says they were battered by the waves, tossed by the waves or battered by the waves, one or the other. That neither is an accurate translation of the word. That, the, the word in the original language means to torture or torment, to afflict with pain, to uh, harass. The, the word in the original means to vex physically with toil or punishment. And the word is used, ladies, to describe the pain and agony of giving birth to a child. So when the Bible says they were tossed, battered, whatever the word may be, that doesn't describe the agony and the pain that they were actually in. It was a rough, rough sea. And so here they are in the middle of the ocean, battered by that storm, and the Bible says somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the night, Jesus came walking towards them, don't miss it, on the sea. On the sea. In the middle of a violent storm, Jesus is walking on water. And I don't know if the storm matters to me or not. Uh, if you're walking on placid, cool, calm water, same to me. Jesus is walking on the water. The Bible says that the disciples seen. Now listen, Jesus called up to a boat on foot because that's how battered they were and how bad the storm was. And the Bible says that when he called up to them that they were terrified because they thought they'd seen a ghost. Now here's the interesting thing. I didn't know it till you studied this passage out. The, the word that you normally see for ghost in the Bible it could also be translated spirit. It's the Greek word pneumeia. And so if you see the word Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, it, it is uh, normally the word pneumeia. And it means spirit or breath or ghost in some translations. And so when you look at this passage and they were terrified and they say it's a ghost, it actually is not the Greek word pneumeia. As a matter of fact, the word is phantasma in the Greek. And it means an apparition or a specter. It was a word associated with magic and charm. So, so when they say, uh, we've seen a ghost, they don't mean Holy Ghost. They mean a booger bear hiding under your bed kind of ghost they've seen. And the disciples were worried. They were exhausted. They were terrified. They were anxious. They were stressed. And now they see a ghost. And Jesus, recognizing their fear, said, hey, be of good cheer. Have courage. Don't worry. It's me. Don't be afraid. And then Peter says the most nonsensical thing I've ever read in Scripture. Peter says, well, Lord, if it's you, how about letting me walk on water to you? 
You say, why is that nonsensical? Because I want you to put yourself in Peter's shoes. Wind, storms, boats doing this. You're trying to row. You've been doing it for hours. You've made absolutely no progress in the water whatsoever. You're exhausted. You're afraid you're going to drown. Now you've seen a ghost. And your question is, can I walk on the water in the middle of all this too? You say, what would have been a better question? How about this? Hey, Jesus, would you do something about this storm? How about this? Jesus, we've read about this. Can you do us a favor? Would you just part the waters of the sea? And can we just leave the boat at the bottom and just let us walk to the other side? We're tired. There are a lot of better things Peter could have asked for other than, can I walk over to you? The translation in the original language is really this. Since it's you, can I do what you're doing? And Jesus said, come. And he got out of the boat and he started walking towards Jesus. Peter walked on water. Can't miss that part of the story. Peter walked on water. But when he saw the storm again, he lost all of his faith and he cried out for Jesus to save him. And he did. And Jesus said this, oh, you of little faith you of little faith why did you doubt man i've heard sermons all my life about peter and his little faith can i ask you a question you know what jesus said to the other 11 disciples oh you of no faith at least peter had a little to trust in jesus the bible says they all got back in the boat the storm stopped and they had church. They worshiped Jesus. Now that's a story. You're familiar with that story. I love the story. It's an amazing story of Peter's storm, Peter's faith, his failure, and then Jesus coming to the rescue. There are some nuggets buried in there that will help your family and you deal with the anxiety of turbulence and stress and trouble in your own home. Can I tell you what they are? Can I just tell you three things this morning that I think might help us? Number one is this. He knows the weather forecast. Jesus knows the weather forecast. Now here's one of the things that we have to come to grip with in this story. Now hear me, because it's difficult for us to understand. Jesus sent them into the storm. When the Bible says that Jesus made them, that was with force, an imperative command. You have to go to the other side. Jesus knew very well that he was sending them into the storm. They are all on the shore, safe and sound. Jesus stays behind where the storm is not, and he tells them to get into the boat. And he knows that a violent storm would intercept them along the way. Like God said, I want you to get in the boat. I'm not going to tell you this part, but the weather forecast is not very good. And I'm not going to tell you this now. We'll talk about it afterwards. But you're about to get into the worst storm of your life. Now, why would Jesus literally send the disciples into a storm? Well, he knew they had to get to the other side to do ministry. There was a purpose for the trip. People's lives depended on it. He knows that even though the storm is going to break out, that he'll be there when it's at his worst, so he's not worried. They needed their faith tested and even boosted specifically peter is going to need his faith increased through this story they needed a better understanding of jesus his power and his presence 
See, they thought they knew everything about Jesus. Look back in your Bibles. Look back in your Bibles. Look at the very last verse we read. They thought they knew everything about Jesus. They'd been following him and calling him the Messiah. But look at what verse 33 said. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. And Jesus could have said, Boys, I thought we'd settled that a long time ago, but they hadn't. In their own hearts, they had not. So Jesus knew the weather forecast, and Jesus let them row right into the storm. But the whole time he knew he was going to be there with them and rescue them in the storm. Not from the storm, but in the storm. Here's what we need to know about when trouble comes into our lives. God knows where we are. God knows where you are. God knows the trouble that you are facing. God knows the anxiety and the stress that your family is facing. God knows when your situation is too much for you to handle. God knows when your situation, you're on the breaking point of your spirit and of your emotions and your life and of your health. God knows it and God probably, probably orchestrated you to be there god just doesn't know the weather forecast god probably orchestrated for you to be right where you are because god is trying to increase your faith god is trying to do something in our lives god is trying to help us realize our purpose and his power and his presence god yes you're in a storm and god god probably orchestrated before I preach that point too much, I need to define maybe two words. One is a, what we'll call a storm this morning, and there are storms in life. Those are situations beyond your control. That's when you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, I have bad news. That's when you walk in on Monday, and your boss says, hey, we're having to cut back on people. The storm in your life is a situation beyond your control that you could not have seen coming. And even if you had, you could not have affected it. It was going to happen and there was nothing you could do to stop it. That is a storm. But the second thing is what I'll call a stain in your life. And a stain and a storm are different. A stain in your life is a mess you get yourself into. A lot of times we call a, a stain a storm. It's not the same. When David committed adultery on Bathsheba and his family began to fall apart, that wasn't a storm, that was a stain. He did that himself. And hear me, God will bail you out of the storms, but the message you get yourself into requires some undoing and repentance on your part first. But when you're in a storm, God knows it. He knows exactly where you are. And he knows exactly what the weather forecast is. Chances are, he sent you there on purpose. And hear me this morning, Christian. Just because you're having a hard time doesn't mean he knows. He doesn't know what's going on. He does. We, we've had a weekend. Um, we, we, we've had a, a, a rough weekend. We've had my wife's sister who passed away. Uh, her daughter graduated college yesterday. Just is, everybody had something to do this weekend, and it left me in the unenviable position. Yesterday, I had to keep all three grandsons by myself for a period of time. 
And uh, I, I mean, I had some help at various times, but at, at one time I got them all three for hours by myself. Uh, two of them I had to put in bed by myself. And so it, it, at one time I'm in the living room of Michaela's house and I've got three baby monitors going at the same time, watching all three babies. I love the technology of today. I love the video. How many of y'all have, have a video baby monitor or you had a video baby monitor? If you don't know what that is, a few of you do, you, you can... Uh, uh, you can watch the actual movements. There's a camera in the room. You can watch the baby and you can know if they're okay. Man, you know everything's fine. Back in my day, uh, when we had our kids, we had a video baby monitor. We had an audio baby monitor. How many of you had an audio baby monitor when kids were growing up? Yeah, which just meant every time they coughed, rolled over, sneezed, you woke up immediately. That you, if, and if the baby, you all remember back in the day, if the baby monitor got quiet, you'd go wake up the baby to see if they were still alive. Like you'd go shake them in the middle of the night. And then you got video baby monitors, you got, you got audio va- baby monitors, and then you got the way I was raised, which was no monitoring whatsoever. How many of you, your mom just threw, threw you in a room and hope you survive till morning? Let, let me see your hand. It's like, you're on your own, kid. You're on your own. As a matter of fact, your mom probably threw you into the room and prayed this prayer with you before you went to bed. This is my wife's favorite comedy video. Watch this. My parents used to pray this with me in the dark when I was a kid. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to give. If I should Before I wake, I pray the Lord, my soul. Sweet dreams. <laughs> uh, how many of you, that was you, right? You're, you prayed that prayer, literally prayed that prayer about death dying and your soul being gone and your parents just let you go. I, I, I actually like it a little bit better now. So last night, uh, one of the kids woke up, the uh, Judd woke up, and I could see it on the monitor, and he started crying right after we put him in the bed. And I had to go up there and rock him to sleep and just hold him in my arms while he fell asleep. Now, here's the deal. When you put that baby in that bed and you shut the door, here's what he thinks. That you've abandoned him. He doesn't know that you've put him in there with purpose. He doesn't know that you are monitoring every breath and every movement that he has. You don't know, he doesn't know that you put him in there for his own good. He doesn't even know that you're coming back to him soon. He may have no idea what he's, what's going on, but if you could whisper one thing to him, it would just be this, hey, I've got you, trust me. I've got you, trust me. And can I tell you this morning, it's the same when you're going through a storm With God, he knows where you are. He is monitoring every moment, and it's for your good. And if I can put it this way, you are on the baby monitor of heaven, no matter what's going on in your life. 
I know sometimes it feels as if God has left you. I know sometimes it feels as if he doesn't know what's happening. I know sometimes it feels as if he is silent or does not care. But he knows what you're going through and he does care. And for your family, hear me, God knows what is happening. Don't let a bad, frightening situation in your life cause you to lose your family. Whatever you are going through today, hear me, just pause and rest and know that God knows it. And as long as he knows, as long as he's watching, as long as he's monitoring, listen, everything is going to be okay. Number three, it's already, number two, it's already on the screen. Number two, when, when life is crazy, go to Jesus. Look, look, back, look back in your Bible. Look, look, at verse, look at verse 25 in your Bible. Look back. The Bible says, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea. Now, I want to say this. This is not the point. But the point I want to make here is this, that when you're having a hard time in life, when your family's going through a difficult time, when you're filled with anxiety, hear me, Jesus is already moving your direction, knowing exactly what's going on. But here's the key. The key is not verse 25. It's a given. The key is verse 29. Jesus said, come, and climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water, and notice this, and came toward Jesus. Peter came toward Jesus. I love how these verses parallel each other. Jesus is walking toward Peter, and Peter is now walking towards Jesus in the middle of that storm. Why is that important? Because the pe- best place to be in, a, in the turbulence of life, the best place to be in the anxiety and the stref- stress of life is right by Jesus' side. Peter's probably thinking, I can be in a sinking boat with a lot of scared dudes, or I can get to Jesus. I think I'll go to Jesus. Even if there's a whole sea between us, I think I'll go to Jesus. Hear me this morning. Here's the deal. In a storm, when Jesus is walking toward us, we often find ourselves walking away from him. When times get hard in our family, when times get hard in our marriage, I've seen it over and over and over and over and over again. People start walking away from Jesus, not to him. They start walking away from church. They start walking away from their small group, their Sunday school class. They start walking away from serving God. They start walking away from their Bible. They start walking away from prayer. They start walking away from inviting other people. They start walking away from giving. That when the storm hits, a lot of people start walking away from Jesus. When the marriage gets on the rocks, they start walking away from Jesus. When the family gets in turbulence and trouble, they start walking away from Jesus. But hear me, when the storm of your life blows, don't walk away from Jesus. Do what Peter did, walk towards him. If you go to the doctor and find something wrong, and he said, I'm sorry, I got bad news. You don't walk out of the doctor and never go back. You say, doctor, I need an appointment tomorrow. We need to find this out. The worst part of being sick is when a doctor says, man, it looks like you got something pretty bad. Let's try to get you back in here in three or four months. I'm like, no, doc, I want to be here in three or four minutes. Because you're walking towards, not away. Never walk away from the thing or the person that should be helping you. 
before COVID, at least, my wife and I like to take cruises. We, we, we've been on a lot of cruises. I don't know, 15, 16 cruises in our lives. How many of you have been on a cruise before? You've been on a cruise? All right, so you get it. I don't know if they still do this or not. I haven't been on one since. But they used to have the muster station drill. Y'all remember that? The muster station drill? That is, when you first get on the cruise ship, they, they teach you that no matter where you are on a cruise ship, right? And let's face it, we're all at the buffet, right? So no matter where you are on the cruise ship, at the buffet, you're to find your spot directly to your, you're supposed to work your way to your deck, to your spot, and you're supposed to stand, this right particular photo has a photo of Muster Station 17, and you're supposed to get your life jacket, and you're supposed to go straight to that spot, they're going to give you a life jacket when you get there, and you're standing right in front, or very close proximity to, a lifeboat. Because they want you to go from where you are, which would be dangerous if the boat goes down, to where you need to be, which is going to be rescue if the boat goes down. It would make no sense when the ship is sinking for you to go a different direction. You want to go straight to where there's help. When the ship is sinking, you go here. And that's the point of Matthew 14. When your life is sinking, walk towards Jesus. Some of you are here today and you're having a hard time. And in the midst of your hard time, you've started slipping away from the Lord. Some of you are here today and your family and your marriage are having a difficult time. And you've started slipping away from the Lord. You're not running away, but maybe you're moving in the wrong direction away from God. Hear me. Jesus is walking towards you. You walk towards him. I know times are hard. I know emotions are drained. I know physically you're battered. Here's still what Peter would tell you. Walk toward Jesus. I know bad situations put a strain on your family. I know turbulent times put a strain on your marriage. Walk towards Jesus. Get your family closer to God than they've ever been before. Third thing I want to tell you, and I'm finished, number three is To get through this anxiety and stress in life, you can't get by without faith. Now, here's the thing that the disciples intellectually knew. Hear me, intellectually. They knew Jesus had sent them to the other side. They knew Jesus was going to meet them there. They they knew Jesus knew the storm was coming. They knew Jesus could still do miracles. They had just seen him do a bunch of those. But they were still fretful, worried, anxious, and battered. Listen. Intellectually, they could have told you that they knew Jesus would be there for them. Intellectually. Meanwhile, they are still having to row and bail water out of a sinking boat for hours after hours after hours. These were experienced fishermen who knew all the right answers, but get me, faith was still necessary. Can I tell you the truth as a Christian is, you know all the right answers. Can, I, can we be honest? You can quote the verses. You've got them underlined in your Bible. You know exactly what to tell somebody else when they're going through a hard time. But faith is personal. And I don't have to have a lot of faith for you. But I got to have a lot of faith for me. 
And the disciples needed faith as a group that Jesus could rescue them, but Peter needed faith for himself. That Jesus could rescue him, help him walk on water, and then save him. Whatever storm you're going through, there is just going to come to a point in your life and in your family that you can't figure it out, that you can't fix it up, that you can't calm it down, that you can't make it happen. What do you do when that happens? You trust Jesus. When I don't know how to calm the sea or stop the storm, I'm left with one option. Trust Jesus. And here's the great thing about trusting Jesus. He can always be trusted. Did you know he never met a blind man that he didn't make see? Never met a lame man, he didn't make walk. Never met a dying man, he didn't make healthy. Never, never met a dead man, he didn't make live. Jesus could always be trusted. Hear me, he's never met a problem he did not solve. He can always be trusted. Close your Bibles and I'm finished. My wife and I were young, we would not been married long and... Uh, I think we just had had Savannah, our very first child, maybe just a little bit before that even. And I went and bought one of the first cars I ever bought in my life. This is not my car, but it's the exact replica of my car. It is an 82 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme diesel. Man, that thing would fly once you got it going. Now, it took a long, it had to have a runway the same as a 747. Like, it took forever to get that thing going. But once it got going, man, I could race. I, I could have entered that thing in Indy 500 and came in close, man. I mean, that thing would fly. Comfortable, luxurious on the inside, had all the, had all the bells and whistles like car, like, you know, all the technology a brand new card had, like an eight-track tape player was in it, and it had, it, hey, it had FM radio on it. I mean, that thing was cool, tricked out, buddy. It was tricked out. But it had one problem. Th- these cars were known for that problem. They had starter issues. Now, if you don't know anything about a car, a starter is a box back then on the 82 that helped it start. That's that simple. If the starter didn't work, the car would not start. And these 82 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme diesels were just known for having starter issues. And I, I bought it. It was a few years used when I bought it. But, uh, uh, man, I put probably myself, I, I put one or two starters on it myself. And then I had mechanics put one or two starters on it. And it always go bad. And it was so frustrating to go out early in the morning to get in your car and try to crank it. And when the starter went out, it just didn't, it didn't go, just nothing happened. It was just done. It'd be so frustrating. I'd say, Sherry, the thing's gone out again. But I kept it. The starters were under warranty. Kept putting new starters on it. Until one time after church on a Sunday night, we're going to do what all God's children did back in Chatsworth in the day. And we were going through the new Dairy Queen drive-thru to get us a Snickers blizzard. 
And I got to that Dairy Queen drive-through, and you know now I hear diesels have quiet engines. My '82 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme did not have a quiet engine. It would blah 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 blah. blah. It's so loud. It's so loud. And I pulled up to that Dairy Queen, and I'm screaming at her what size Blizzard and how much Snickers I want in it and all that, and and how many hamburgers I want, and 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 you know trying to get her order in. And the little girl at the drive-through finally said. Hey, I cannot hear you. Will you turn your car off? It was a common request. I turned it off, gave her my order, turned it back on. Well, I tried to turn it back on, and guess what went out in that very moment? The starter. And I'm stuck in one of those drive-thrus invented by Satan himself that once you get in it, you can't get out of it. And so I'm, I'm in this drive-thru that, that has, you know, barriers on my right and a building on my left. And, and the starter won't start. And there are no options. There's no go beat on anything or hit anything. It's done. It's done. And I look behind me and there's a whole line of, not my church, but Sunday night cars behind me in the drive-thru waiting to order. I say to the guy on the phone, we don't have cell phones back in the day, and I say to the guy, this was pre-pager technology, as a matter of fact, and so I say to the guy, I said, hey guy, my car just stopped, and I'm going to have to push it backwards through the drive-thru, and long story short, he said, well, let me come out, and I'll get all the cars out of the drive-thru, and if you ever want to be humiliated in life, uh, Put your wife in the driver's seat. You get in front of the car. Have a manager of a Dairy Queen behind you saying, back up, back up. His car won't work. And me pushing a car in reverse out of a Dairy Queen drive-thru. So we did what was most important. We went back in and got our blit. No, we didn't. We called somebody to come pick us up. The next day, I got rid of that car. I don't know, I don't remember to this day if I sold it for scrap parts, whatever I got for it was too much. I shouldn't have got what I got for it. You know why I got rid of this car? It was so nice. I mean, FM radio, the whole deal. You know why I got rid of that car? Because I could not depend on that car. Hear me. It could not be trusted. And we're used to that in life. Faith is hard for us because we have so much around us that can't be trusted. The government can't be trusted. Friends can't be trusted. So many times family can't be trusted. Work can't be trusted. But hear me. We're almost programmed not to trust. And that programming not to trust makes it difficult for us to trust Jesus. But hear me. All of your faith can be put in Jesus because he can be trusted. Would you stand with me across the room? The good thing is for most of us, Jesus has probably gotten us out of a storm and we know he can get us out of another storm. What do you do when your family's full of anxiety and there's turbulence and stress trouble in the storm you rest in the fact that he knows where you are and as a matter of fact he probably sent you where you are 
He's doing something in your life. He's got a purpose for your life. He's got a plan for your life. He's increasing your, your, your uh, relationship with him. He knows exactly where you are. Don't walk away from Jesus. Walk to him. And the storm may not stop immediately. You may sink a minute before something good happens. And so here's what Jesus would say. Just trust me. Take a minute. Take a breath. And say, God, I don't have this. God, we, we as a family don't have this. But I'm going to take a breath. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? If you're watching online, Jeremy's got a word for you just now. But Everybody loves some peace and quiet. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that um, incredible message. And the truth of that message today is that if you want peace and quiet in your home, you will find it only with Jesus. Um, he is the only one that can provide the peace and quiet and comfort during difficult times, during turbulent times, maybe in your life or in your home. You can only find peace uh, with Jesus. And um, what an important reminder for us this morning. Let me also tell you this. If you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, there is no peace for you. I often say this, I don't know how people make it in this life without a relationship with Jesus. And maybe you've never started a personal relationship with Jesus. It begins with you understanding that you're a sinner. You've offended God with your sin. There's nothing you can do to fix the separation created by your sin between you and God. You've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross and the cross, what Jesus did on the cross, bridges the gap created by sin. And then you confess Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. If you've never done that this morning, there's not a better time than today. If God's spoken to your heart and you need to respond, tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and the blood that He shed on the cross pays for all of my sin. I ask you, Lord, through your Holy Spirit to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, we want to tell you welcome to the family. We're so excited about your decision and we want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. So if you would, we've just dropped a, a button in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. If you'll click on that button, um, it's going to ask you a few questions. All that information will come directly to me, and I'd love to connect with you this week and help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. It's been incredible to be together um, worshiping online this morning. I'm glad you joined us, and uh, I can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. 
Thanks for listening.